Hi there, my name is Doshima Dagoyewole and this week in conversation on the IOF podcast, we have Mrs. Abimbola Onokomaya. Mrs. Onokomaya is a fellow of the Chartered Insurance Institute of London and also the Managing Director of Peak Thrust Insurance Brokers. She's a special risk underwriter in oil, energy and marine insurance and has just recently been appointed the Vice President of the Professional Insurance Ladies Association. Enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much, um, Dosima, for having me you know, on the podcast. I really appreciate it. The way I started in insurance, actually, I did my master's in management and technology at the University of Wales okay. in Cardiff. And um, immediately after the master's program, um, because my original first degree was in economics, I felt that the best thing to do was to go into the finance industry. As at the time I graduated, it was as if insurance was the big sister or the big causing in the finance industry. It was tops, it was followed by the banking industry as well as the accounting industry. So obviously I thought that what's going to be worth my while. So I thought that, okay, the best thing to do was to go into the insurance industry. And that was what actually spurred me on because the background in economics, the master's in management and technology skewed towards both statistics. I felt, look, that was the best way to go, not into banking and also not into accountancy. However, it was uh, a little bit different when I got to Nigeria because I started over there. I did my first associateship courses i just sailed through i started off with them um, hill samuel life and investments as an associate i was not being paid a salary i was actually just working based on commission but definitely we did have some training and um, we also had some training in market interface interfacing with the public and being confident and then again it was just as if that was the beginning of the finance industry for me i didn't even think of banking or accountancy because in the uk insurance was tops so that was basically how i started in the insurance industry and then how did i grow my career okay when i got back to nigeria well nikon insurance was you know the top insurance company there was that was the insurance company to be in at the time. When I came back and joined Nikon Insurance, I was in the reinsurance department. And then also after staying there for a bit, I went to the marine insurance department as well as the oil and energy department. And um, I was in Nikon for a total of 10 years, uh, became pensionable, so to speak. And then I moved into the private sector. I went straight to um, Anderson Consulting, which you know later changed their name to Accenture, and set up their insurance desk for them. Originally, they had been fully established in the banking sector, so my coming into Anderson Consulting facilitated their interest in the insurance sector. Shortly after that, I switched over to another insurance company, but a private one unique insurance plc and stayed there for a period up until the time i became the assistant general manager in oil and energy truth be told i actually wanted to retire from there i didn't actually intend to start off a brokerage um, business for myself 
but there was some integrity issues uh, that took place there at the time you know as an assistant general manager and i felt you know with the fellowship by that time i had already gotten my associates of um, chartered insurance institute london i had already gotten my fellowship you know of the institute uh, London and I just felt no I just needed to you know break out so I left the place and um, started off Peak Thrust Insurance Brokers Limited in 2003 and since then and up till date I have been the managing director of um, Peak Thrust Insurance Brokers Limited so basically in form of a synopsis I would say that's the way in which my insurance career has grown you actually led on to my next question when you talked about you had already gotten your fellowship with the Chartered Insurance Institute. Why did you join the Institute when you initially joined and sort of just talk us through the process of getting the fellowship and how that actually benefited you in your career? Basically, I think that it is necessary when a person is um, involved in any particular enterprise to attempt to get the best and um, have a spirit of excellence when it comes to any enterprise whatsoever. In this particular case, we're talking about insurance. And um, I just felt that it was best for me to get the highest level which I could achieve. And that was why I decided to you know, get the professional insurance certificate, so to speak, and because I actually started off in England, um, I therefore did the examinations for the Chartered Insurance Institute London. There were a proper examinations. You actually wrote the examinations in prose. It was not um, objective or, you know, something of that nature, no. And um, I had, at the time, 13 subjects to do. But because I already had a master's that was skewed also towards quantitative methods, I did have some exemptions, you know. But that notwithstanding, I still had to do nine subjects to be able to get uh, my associateship. And it was actually a written examination. The truth of the matter is that better for you to get the highest level. In educating yourself and investing in yourself as far as training is concerned, um, you cannot actually quantify the benefits. It's almost always extremely beneficial because then you know what is happening in your industry in the professional manner. As completely different from somebody who dropped into the industry by chance. So in that professional manner, it's better to get the best out of it. And because those were they were the ones, the Chartered Insurance Institute London were the ones that were organizing the examinations at the time. That was why I did the examinations that way. And um, I dare say at the time in Nikon Insurance, when I qualified as the um, as an associate of the Chartered Insurance Institute London, I, I was the first um, female fellow wow. of uh, the Chartered Insurance Institute London, you know, um, in, um, in Nikon Insurance at the time. So immediately after the associateship, the next thing, of course, was the fellowship. Um, I had my ba two babies in between, so I stalled a little. But mm -hmm. after the two babies, I went and did the examination for the fellowship. And that was a specialized one because then you had to specialize. For your fellowship at the time, I don't know what it, what it obtains now, but at that time you had to specialize in a particular arm of insurance. And I specialized in the insurance 
section of it. Basically, I felt the spirit of excellence is key. You need to be on top of your game. Of course, having acquired the fellowship, there are so many other things that one has done in between to ensure that one is on top of one's game really and truly. There's just so many things you said in your answer that I think will be helpful to so many women. Professional excellence, that's number one. It's always important to be at the top of our game, especially as women. And I like the fact that, you know, you spoke about how you had your babies in between some of your exams, but that didn't, you know, completely stop you. Yes, you took a break, but then you continued. I think the last thing around that I would ask you is for a young person, funding for professional exams is always important. And of course, now with the exchange rates some people might just you know open the page and see the fees and be like okay I'll just close this I'm not going to try in your experience do you self-fund your exams or do you you have an employer that was supportive or what would you say to someone who is sort of having second thoughts just because of the cost of professional exam fees well in my own case I self-funded my examinations but bear in mind the fact that the exchange rate was not (laughs) the way it is now it wasn't as um, the difference was not so much Um, you had the opportunity to be able to pay for the exams in pound sterling if you wanted to you changed it your papers were marked in England anyway and your results were sent I self-funded myself however I would not say that it's the same thing for everybody now in my establishment here at Pick Trust Insurance Brokers I encourage my staff members to also take their professional exams but you don't necessarily have to take the one that is organized by the Chartered Insurance Institute London. There is a Chartered Insurance Institute in Nigeria. The former president of that institute, a female also, tried her best to ensure that our Nigerian certificate is recognized internationally and recognized also by the London Institute. So now in Nigeria, they have three sets of examinations they do. They have the um, sort of like the beginners one and then the um, intermediate and then eventually when you pass all the papers, then you get your certificate. So the Chartered Insurance Institute in Nigeria is also chartered, it's recognized internationally. So you don't really have to break the bank. I think it's important for you to to invest in yourself, invest in your career. If you know that you're going to be an insurance person, well, just do the best you can. So you you don't break the bank because of the examinations and you can have babies in between. I can tell you that for free, you know, so it's not a big deal really. How has COVID-19 changed the way you run your business? Well, I am an insurance broker now. I've been an insurance broker since 2003 till date. And um, the main background of any insurance broker is um, marketing and interfacing with the public, interfacing with your clients, uh, to be able to enlighten them on the, the need they have for insurance for any of the businesses they do the main thing that we sell is actually is actually peace of mind get your business going management to us so that you can excel in your business while we attempt to bear the risk invariably there is absolutely no doubt that one has to continuously interface with clients, both the individual clients as well as the corporate clients. So when this COVID pandemic thing started, we were told that we were going to shut down. 
my head office is in Victoria Island in Lagos. And so what I just did was to pack my my laptop and move to another branch office, which I have a branch office in Ibadan. So I knew that they were not going to shut down as fast in Ibadan because right. the statistics that were, you know, being given showed that Lagos had um, more more cases of the, the pandemic. So immediately I just moved to the branch office and in Ibadan and started working from there. Having said so, it's important for you to make your clients know that you feel for them. And so we went more digital than we usually are. Ordinarily, we don't send out um, uh, flyers and stuff like that continually. But because of the pandemic, most especially for the insurances that were due to be renewed during the March and April uh, period in time, March, April, May, we had to go digital. In other words, send out flyers, digital WhatsApp flyers and LinkedIn flyers to tell our clients that, you know, regardless of the pandemic, we're still working. And in addition to that, encourage them to keep safe, you know, and then of course, my data consumption went up. <laughs> my, st- <laughs> you know, my staff data consumption also went up. We try to, at least by telephone, emails, as well as by WhatsApp messages, we sent out, you know, messages to our clients and just encourage them to keep safe. So having said so, uh, to the glory of God, uh, we didn't lose any renewal during that period in time at all. Uh, because of course, yes, the, the renewals are done online anyway. You ask them for whatever it is they, they want to say. And they send you all the information, you forward it to the insurance companies. Because the insurance companies also were, you know, it was a learning curve for everybody. So it necessitated calling them up now and again, you know, for your quotation, because you don't, as a broker, give quotation off the cuff to your potential client. You have to have the insurance company, you know, give you the quotation. So um, the only uh, plus there was <laughs> the data consumption went up, and it is still high till now because um, encouraging oneself also in the training department means going on a lot of these webinars and finding out what the clients are you know experiencing and then using whatever you learn from those webinars uh, to um, impact the businesses of your clients so really it has been an experience though um, i haven't ever 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 had to be at home for two months it's never happened in my insurance broken career that was a learning experience for me fantastic i like what you said about what you're actually selling as an insurance broker is peace of mind so that your clients can carry on with their business activities and i think because insurance can be such an intangible product you know it's not like aside your policy documents there's not something you know you can see in your house like oh this is my insurance um so i feel like that makes it hard for a lot of people to understand the concept if you could do anything or if you could say anything to anyone wondering whether they should get an insurance policy right now what would be the key thing you would say to convince someone you see this insurance to me maybe because i've been in it for a while and obviously um there's no way in which you will not have experienced people that have 
had to make claims on their policies. If it's family-wise, mm -hmm. to me, it's the greatest act of, um, of love because it's very nasty for somebody to uh, pass on in the family now. Mm -hmm. Maybe the breadwinner or even not the breadwinner, but somebody passes on and then there's absolutely no insurance policy i think it's it's wickedness because <laughs> when you see the trauma that people experience when there's a loss of a, a loved one the money that they're going to get from the insurance company is not going to bring the person back remember that but having said so we have had experiences where the, the male person passes on in the family and the female person has to go through the aggravation of family members, you know, semi-accusing. They won't tell you directly that um, maybe you killed your husband or something like that. Mm -hmm. But they'll be semi-accusing you of some stuff. In the process, if you had something that could just maybe cushion you, it's very, it's very good. It's an intangible service, true. But the taste of the pudding is in the eating. Let me quote somebody. This quote is um, attributed to Jack Ma. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know that he's um, a very industrious individual. He says that buying insurance cannot change your life, but it prevents your lifestyle from being changed. An illness can wipe up an entire family savings that they have saved for decades by the medical bill. You will not turn bankrupt because of buying insurance, mm -hmm. but you can cause your loved ones to turn bankrupt if you don't buy insurance. It's very important that people realize the necessity of buying insurance because your lifestyle can change completely if there's no insurance policy in place, if it's a life insurance. Let's take another type of insurance. Let's take, maybe you are a shopkeeper. Let me put it that way. Right. You have markets and stuff. You know, with this situation that is happening in Nigeria, there are a lot of these people that are experiencing burglaries. Unknown to them, people are watching them. I've had clients that <clears throat> have had to get burgled it is at that point in time that you will know what insurance is and how important insurance can be. When the insurance company comes forward and provides a sucker for the loss, the purpose of it is being able to aggregate the small, 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 small payments that other people have paid and use it to offset the pain that, you know, others are, are going through. So I think that insurance is so important. I think that insurance is something that anybody should not even do without, whether it is for your few assets in the house, whether it is for, what if it's a fire and then your life savings and all your clothing, everything is gone. Then you fall back on the insurance company because the insurance company will definitely, definitely come to your aid once you're properly insured I think you can just go to go to sleep.
that's basically my thought process on it but well, then again you can say i'm biased though i've been in it for a while <laughs> and you've definitely seen, seen a few things oh you can't you bet <laughs> that's actually bet. what my next question would be there's a memory of helping a particular client with a claim and seeing it to the end and getting you know a positive outcome that i always remember and i always think of that client and i'm always like oh, i'm so glad i was able to do that so in your 35 year career is there one particular client one particular claim situation that you know you've had to resolve a particular risk you had to place that was memorable i would not even go too far mm-hmm. i'll just take something that is very recent and that is the zenith we had um in lagos at lekki or the novari mall at Lekki. unexpected you just can't imagine what happened to some of our clients in the same mall we had more than one client and in the same mall we had more than two shops for a particular client and that client was um, what you can call a health health care provider of some sort, mixed with uh, pharmacies and beauty. Mm-hmm. They looted virtually the whole thing. The shops just came down. And it was a good thing that these shops were um, insured because it would have been highly disastrous. We could not quantify what was lost. The stock taking was such that we had to rely on stocks, the, the stock books that were already looted. And the ripple effect of it was that they actually had to close down all the shops that were not even in that particular mall for fear of any you know, any kind of um, further looting. There was business interruption in that particular mall, but there was also business interruption in all the other shops that they had. And this is a client that has about 91 shops nationwide. So can you imagine if there was no insurance? To the glory of God, we were able to settle the claim. Then we settled it beautifully. It took a bit of time, more than normal, because of the stock taking and because the shops also were not, not really accessible because of the security. But then we eventually settled. And imagine the smile on the face of the client. Definitely, we hit a home run with that one. And um, we're so glad about it. So that is one real experience that, you know, we had just of recent. So because of the xenophobic attacks on on that particular mall. But over the 30-something year period, obviously, there have been so many claims. Motor vehicle claims in particular. But once the um, motor vehicle is comprehensively insured, it's good to go. Once you do the underwriting properly in the first instance, settling of the claims is not a major um, challenge. So basically, the issue that is on ground is that there are two steps to do it. The first step of it is that the insurance, the insurance broker would have had to read the policy properly. Then you have to explain the integrity of the policy to your clients. But they're very, very simple things that you need to let them know. One, this is your period of cover. It starts from date A to date B. Then secondly, after having paid your premium, obviously the insurance will commence. Now, with the insurance commencement, after having paid your premium, let them know what is required at the beginning if and when a claim takes place. Mm -hmm. It's not at the point when the claim actually has taken place 
that you now start with all kinds of documentation that you should have told them beforehand. Because if they'd known beforehand, then obviously it would not be new to them. So invariably, you know, at the point of the claim, just get the claim documentation, get them to the insurance company. And there shouldn't be much aggravation at all about settling a claim. A lot of the insurance companies now are so, so apprehensive of being told that the claims are not accepted based on small print A or small print B. Right. So for the National Insurance Commission to have scrutinized them effectively enough, then it stands to reason that they are actually solid insurance companies that we're dealing with. So there you go. What excites you about the future of the insurance industry? Um, I'm, I'm very excited. And why do I say this? You know, insurance is actually coming into its own in Nigeria. Now people are beginning to realize how very, very um, responsive and responsible insurance companies are. Insurance companies are not passing up on their claims. They're paying their claims promptly. And um, it, it appears now that the micro-insurance, in other words, going to the grassroots, has become the name of the game. I'm not saying that um, corporate enterprises are being neglected, no. However, the individualized client base is being expanded. Then again, there's the issue of um, the agri space. Because of the uh, volatility of the oil market and the fact that the oil market has not in itself been altogether too stable. Now the Nigerian government is focusing to a large extent on the agri space and the agri value change from the pre-planting stage to the post-harvest stage is so huge. There are lots of millions of farmers in Nigeria individual farmers and even a lot of mechanized farming also so in the agri value chain there is a huge huge um, ecosystem there that is to be tapped as far as insurance is concerned so i'm excited about it as speak thrust insurance brokers we are also involved with it and we do know that the sky is not our limit to use the name of my company we will thrust through the peak you've given a lot of advice for young women, moms who are working in the insurance industry, and you've recently been inaugurated as the Vice President of the Professional Insurance Ladies Association. So just speak a little bit about the association and what your plans are for your tenure. Thank you for that question. The uh, association has been in existence for about over 40 years, actually. It's a collection of women professionals in insurance. Up till date, you are actually required to have um, gotten your charter, your, your charter as an insurance professional. In other words, you have either your Associate of Chartered Insurance Institute London, or you have your Associateship for the Chartered Insurance Institute of Nigeria before you can be admitted as a, a member of that association. But we're thinking now, this new administration is thinking that we should have an expanded to those people who are career professionals, but not necessarily certified. In other words, you're working in the insurance industry already and you're a female. You are still in the process mm -hmm. of getting your certification, you're still doing your exams. 
it may take time it may take one year two years or three years but in the process while you're still doing that we're willing to expand it into maybe you can call it student membership obviously i have a precedent together we're working as a team to ensure that we expand the membership there's the intention to get 100 membership of the female insurance professionals into the pillar for this particular tenure and then in addition to that on my own as the vice president one of the things that i want to try to achieve is to expand the horizon of the women because you see there's a way in which insurance takes its your time sometimes you'll be wanting to ask god for maybe 26 or 28 hours a day so when you have something that takes your time like that you may not necessarily have enough time to benchmark with other professional women organizations because really and truly there is no facet of life where insurance is not involved so we want to be able to interface with the other professional uh, women organizations and see how we can you know benchmark them and uh, work hand in glove together to at least advance the cause of women professionals in the finance industry altogether and then again um mentoring because i'm going to be 16 next month wow and so some other people are going to have to take our place when we're gone i'm not planning to go in the grave you know i'd rather go in the rapture you know if you've ever heard of that <laughs> <laughs> i don't want worms eating the body and stuff like that but that be that as it may people are going to have to leave and other people have to you know take their place Mm-hmm. So it's important that the ethics of the business and the professionalism of the business be passed on to the those that are coming after us. Aha. Uh-huh. So the a lot of mentoring is going to have to take place. And um of course we're going to do some other things for you know that are socially inclined. For example, the issue of the rape that has become a major incident now. I mean as as a professional insurance ladies association we're going to have we're definitely definitely going to speak out because I think it is not it is not on people have all kinds of excuses uh, that have been passed to excuse their bad behavior but you know what is bad does not have any other name what is bad is bad just your final thoughts or what you would say to really any young african person that's considering a career in insurance and risk management right now hmm i would say go for it the only thing i would ask you to um such a person to do which was not uppermost on our list when we commenced insurance is also get technology skills insurance is going to continue to get better with the risks of things that are happening around now insurance is the you know go to profession so just go for it but get the um, skills acquisition of the IT thing digital is the new oil you know it's all going digital the insurance is also being done digitally you cannot do without the digital world now but insurance as a core profession is expanding and we're getting better by the day. So I would want to say it's exciting. It's not get rich quick if you know what I mean. You have to get to know your customer. You have to build up a very good relationship with your clients over a period in time. But um, at the same time you're not going to be at the lower echelon as far as income generating and revenues are concerned. You are going to be comfortable. Aha. Uh-huh. I mean if you're not trying to steal, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. You will be comfortable, yeah, very comfortable. So I would say go for it as an entrepreneur, as a, a startup, or just join an insurance company or insurance booking out there. Yeah. Fantastic. My final question is, what does financial resilience mean to you? Hmm, that's a tough one, isn't it? And for many people, it means different things. But for me, what it actually means is that, you know, I don't like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable when something crops up to meet me on my blind side. It's important to be able to have something for rainy day. If you do make money in any field, also try and diversify. As it were, do not keep all your eggs in one basket. For the sake of good order, try and get something done that you have a passion for. If you want to go into farming, go into farming. Have a passion for it. Don't say because you're an insurance person, you'll just be doing insurance alone. When you make a little bit of money, diversify into farming, diversify into printing, diversify into anything that you actually do have a passion for. While one is not um, extremely wealthy, but at the same time, it's important to be financially resilient, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Onokamaya. I really, really appreciate your time.